In 221 BC, after a swift and brutal campaign of reunification, the king of the Qin nation declared himself sole ruler over the lands that would later become modern-day China, giving himself the title of Shi Huangdi, or First Emperor. For nearly 2,000 years, a majority of the records and descriptions the world had of the First Emperor of China were from sources 100 years after his rise to power and rule. An entire era lost to time. But from one of the most referenced texts from the dynasty that followed the Qin, the Han Dynasty, there was the description of the first emperor's lost tomb. A magnificent complex and structure unmatched by anything in the known world. Rivers of flowing mercury, torches fed by mermaid oil, treasures gathered from all the corners of the realm to be laid with the first emperor. Once thought only to exist in legend, it wouldn't be until 1974 that villagers digging wells would uncover lifelike clay warriors buried in the earth that would point to the lost tomb of the Dragon Emperor. This case file joined the theorists as they get their hands on a whole lot of terracotta within the tomb of Qin Shi Huang. Welcome to Alien Theorist Theorizing Case File 156, The Tomb of the Dragon King, a.k.a. The Tomb of Qin Shu Huang, a.k.a. The Terracotta Armada. <laughs> I like that. A.k.a. Uh, longest intro ever. Yeah. Uh, I'm Braden. I'm Zell. I'm Dan. Uh, and I'm Andrew. Um, don't forget, guys, on October 16th, this podcast is now going to be exclusively on Spotify. Go download the app. It's free. It's easy to use. You can search us up on there. You've got a ton of shitty apps on your phone that you never use, and you're going to use this to listen to us. So check it out. It helps us out. Uh, it's an easy way to help the show. Easy. Nobody's playing Patreon. Candy Crush anymore. Nope. Nobody's playing of Clash of Clans, Farmville. Get rid of all that shit. Come Delete. Yeah. Clear up some room for Spotify. Get some Spotify in you. Yeah. I figured out how to do it. If I can figure out how to download that shit, anybody can. Anybody. Free and easy. Anybody. It's quick and simple. It's very, very true. Like probably at, at least even a chimpanzee and, and most other great apes. I'm telling you right now, all you got to do is click on the app store and the apps are in the phone. It's pretty easy. <laughs> the apps like, are it out. in the phone. Yeah, man. Before we get into this one, I know Andrew's been, you know, creeping up on my on my status because everyone loves all Andrews. All I ever hear, oh, Andrew's got so many accents. Well, are you in for a treat? Because Andrew's got a full case file full of culturally <laughs> appropriate accents for you that he's going to pull off tonight. Uh, <laughs> Pardon? Uh-oh. Uh, <clears throat> Huh? He's, been pra- he's been practicing them all day, so prepare yourself. <laughs> not ever. <laughs> I said canceled. <laughs> I can believe it or not. I can speak a little bit of Mandarin here and there. Oh, perfect. All right. Yeah, that's what I would do. Not a deal. Go well for you, buddy. You can't work in Richmond without being able to speak a little Mandarin. That is true. I was like forty percent. What do you know? 
40%. You ready? Yeah. Here, let's hear it. Song Fu Cup. Meaning? Take a deep breath. Oh, okay. <laughs> or Tong. That's how you basically do an assessment in Richmond. You just Tong, Tong, and you point at different parts of your body, and Tong means pain, and they're like, yeah, that's huh? what hurts. Okay, good. Let's go to the hospital. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> you say that, and then they reply in English to you, you asshole? No, they nod. <laughs> <laughs> No, they're not. It's it's my shoulder. Yeah. I, yeah. Told, I told you, sir. <laughs> I called nine one one. Yeah. I'm from Tong? Toronto. Yeah. Tong? Tong? Oh, that's terrible. Before we get into this, I did not realize how much I didn't know about Chinese history, which is still not a lot. Nothing. Because <laughs> this is just like one small piece of it. Yeah, I was watching it. I was like, are we sure this is history and not like an old kung fu movie? Like anime plot? Dude, it, it was like Chinese Telemundo. Yeah, it's unreal. All the plot That, that is 90, 90% of Chinese history, ancient Chinese history, like pre-colonial Chinese history is like Game of Thrones level shit. <laughs> Dude, I had to go back awesome. and play Dynasty Warrior 6 because it reminded me so much of that game. And then I, I almost thought some of the characters were like, it was actually taken from the story, but I was incorrect. It was taken from a book, but. So we're talking about Qin Chu Huang, which who was the first emperor of the Qin dynasty and was the first emperor to truly unify China. Uh, if you don't know about him, pretty much like 80% of like culture of China was built from the Qin dynasty. I mean, obviously their name comes from Qin China, uh, but this emperor was born during the warring States era where the pretty much the entire Zhang empire, which had originally been China had broken apart. And his father was the King of the Qin nation, which was on like the Western border of China at the time. Yeah, it was some last airbender China. shit, man. Yeah. After his father had died, Qin Shu Huang took the throne at 13. Crazy. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> and a year after he took the, the throne, he actually, as was tradition, began construction of his own mausoleum. So now, like Brayden said, this mausoleum included what we have now, the terracotta army. So, I like to refer to it as the terracotta armada. It just sounds better. We are skipping over some Jerry Springer level Maori shit. <laughs> so if, if you want to be entertained, look into it, man. Like we don't even know if that guy was his dad. He had yeah, some like gets weird. Rasputin slash Jafar guy hanging out. Dude, honestly, if they had better names, I think, I think Boney M would have made songs. No, hundred percent, man. Like honestly, they just couldn't. 100%. They couldn't come up with anything. They're like, "Well, should we do someone from Russia?" They're like, "Yeah, that Rasputin guy's okay, I guess. He's a good third or fourth pick." <laughs> well, because they were saying like that, his their Jafar or their advisor. There, there is talk that he was potentially Chin Shu Wang's actual father. Yeah, Li Buwei. Li Buwei, who is his prime minister when he took the throne, and it's also rumored that he was perhaps actually his real father and had actually gotten the the queen or the which would have been the queen dowager the queen mother uh had been introduced to uh chinchu huang's father uh, as a concubine 
but was actually already pregnant with Chin Chu Huang from uh, Li Bu Wei. So there's that rumor. And then, and then when Chin Shu Huang took the throne, Li Bu Wei was like, listen, lady, we can't really keep this little affair going. So I'm going to go ahead and find you another well-endowed guy with some big dick energy to fill in for me. <laughs> and we're going to dress him up and we're going to pretend that he's a eunuch. But he's not. Because it's like, we're talking. Because he's talking got a giant dog. Rasputin. Yeah. Guy spins and sins like it's no nobody's business. It's So for me, when I was looking into this, so he took the, th- the throne at 13. He then goes on to unify China. Like he unifies all the... He basically conquers every other, you know, foe and claims himself as emperor. How old was he when he does this? Uh, he was about 30 when he actually became emperor of China. 38 uh, the, is when everything was said and done. Yeah. The unification everything. of China was already kind of underway when he took the throne. Um, yeah. He had a, a ton of capable advisors and generals. Uh, to make a that's point what to I was thinking. That. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was like, you have to, cause I'm like at 13 years old, you're building your own mausoleum. You're like, yeah, this is what I want. Like, I want rags and riches and dolls and all my toys. Like to get back into more of the fucking Jerry Springer shit, little Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> so Libue, the eunuch who's, you know, spending time with Chin Shuang's mom, decides later that he wants to rebel and take over. No, Libue, Libue was his prime minister. Uh, the, 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 is it Lue? The eunuch, or Lune. Yeah. He decides yeah. that he wants to take the throne for himself. And this 13, I don't know if he's 13 at the time, but I think he's a little older. Than he was than 22, that. I think. I think he was 20. He was in his 20s. Like this guy was a certified badass. At one point in time in this guy's career, one of his foes shows up with a severed head of an expat that turned his back on Chin Shuang and like presents it to him to be like, listen, like we, we humbly submit to you and we will follow you. And then pulls a sword out of a scroll to try and take this dude out and this 22 year old Chin Shuang slices this dude up Katana style. Like guy's a certified badass. Yeah. You wouldn't be wrong. I, I, I would go ahead and say that Mo- most of the stuff that we know about, uh, Chin Shuang comes from the historian, uh, is it Lin Chang? Chin Chang is a historian. Well, he's a historian from the subsequent dynasty, the Han dynasty. So the Han's dynasty, which followed the Qin dynasty, the historian started writing the history of China and most of our, our, our knowledge comes or came from that actual text, which is referred to as the Shiji. And the historian actually wrote all the histories a hundred years after the death of Chin Chu Huang. So all of the, all of the, most of the information that we have is kind of secondary. That's all, all the kinds of the, the, um, stories about him. So there's a lot of kind of mystery that surrounds a lot of Chin Chu Huang. So there was always this kind of depiction for a lot of, for a majority of history, Chin Chu Huang was kind of seen as a tyrant. Uh, he was kind of depicted as a, uh, and like an evil King, uh, like a very, uh, controlling, uh, whatever you want to call it, authoritarian ruler. And, but, there is this kind of tradition that historians have said throughout the Chinese dynasties to kind of defame or put down the previous dynasty. So it's like yeah. pretty much when you take the throne, you're like, hey, fuck those guys that were ruling before. Fuck those guys. Well, history yeah. is written by the, you know, the victor. The victor. Right? Yeah. But I mean, the guy's nickname was the fucking dragon. 
Like they're giving this guy some serious props. Like that's badass. That yeah, badass. you know who else had a nickname dragon? No big deal. You know who else gave yeah, you himself gave yourself. the nickname dragon? <laughs> you coined that yourself. Hey, what what do you want to be called? Oh, dragon. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it started off as a joke and it stuck for so stuck many years. Stuck forever. I finally rid myself of it like three, four years ago. There's not still yeah, a and then you bring outliers. it up on a podcast, yeah, but, so it's yeah, coming back. Thousands You're of people are now going to refer to you as Yeah, but I got dragon. a way better nickname out of this one, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that your name? Yeah. Right. Oh, right. Well, now we have to specify who we're talking about, whether it's Brayden Dragon or Dragon Emperor who unified China. Right. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. Yeah, I people was People might make the mistake, might mix them up somehow. Because to be honest, I thought this podcast was about us sitting around planning my mausoleum, but whatever. This guy's cool. You're not going to start that 30 years before your death, though. There's no chance that's happening. So you have this, you had this kind of mystery emperor. We didn't, we didn't really know a lot of the Qin dynasty, like Qin Chi Huang, who ruled for, uh, you know, close on 30 years, things like this. And, and, and basically built the foundations of what is modern day China. Uh, he standardized laws, uh, standardized writing across the entire Chinese, like all the Chinese provinces. He also built like tons of public works, uh, centralized the government. Was he not all these kinds of things? Was he not the guy who ended because there was a lot of like separate different fortifications along like the northern Great Wall of China? Was he not the guy who ended up finally putting most of that together as well? Yeah, he built. The, the connecting pieces, which he basically, yeah, he, um, you know, connected all those forts, which now formed the Great Wall of China. The longest, so that was continuous his barrier well. ever constructed. Bananas. Right. You really didn't know anything about that period in time. It was almost like a, just like a blank, you know, a blank space in Chinese history. You kind of knew some of thinking about it, but you didn't have any 100%, you know, specific examples of what life was like at that time until 1974. In 1974, you had this group of farmers in the Qian province of China who were digging wells and they dug down and they were surprised to find these life-size terracotta soldiers that they dug out of the ground. It's fucking and so crazy. So nuts, man. So nuts. So crazy. Yeah, these things were bizarre. Like they had no idea what they were at the time uh, when they were originally ex excavating them. Uh, the original archaeologists who got on the site first, they said that some of the uh, some of the elders of the villages and things thought that these were gods. They had like uh, uh, like elderly ladies were going in there, burning incense and worshiping them. And then you had other people who were like, no, these are false gods. We shouldn't worship him. So you had all this kind of crazy shit. Going and then on. you saw a guy in a cool hat with a whip that said, these belong in a museum. <laughs> yeah, he showed up about then. Yeah. The and these terracotta like soldiers, they're like one, they're lifelike. They're life size. Like the detail. Two, the detail. Oh my god. And each one is different and handcrafted. Individually unique. And right now what have they said? They've said they after the first one they've dug up, they've done like like three thousand or something, but they think there's like another eight thousand or something like that. Right. They, they've uncovered, I think, about two to 3,000 actual clay soldiers, but the archaeologists and experts estimate that they're about, there may be 8,000, as many as 8,000. And they're all different. They're all different. All their, facial, oh. all their facial features are completely unique. No one is exactly the same. So that kind of leads experts to uh, suppose that these are actually portraits, like the faces are portraits yeah. of actual soldiers from 
the Chin army. The, they're so unique that it almost looks like exactly like they're like these soldiers' faces were like molded in clay and then put upon a statue and then given like armor and a sword in unique positions. They're and all not, holding and differently. Not, and not just a, like clay. We're not talking like clay swords, like real fucking weapons. Weapons. Real swords. And are they like, are they accurate height and everything too? Yeah. Like yes. Size? Full sized, fully detailed, unique thousands of soldiers buried in the ground. So basically it looks like 8,000 dudes ran into Medusa. And got <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Down. One time. Basically. Glanced at everyone cool, equally. Man. Yeah, it is and really cool. There's nothing like that anywhere else. No, it's wild. There's nothing like that. Well, that we know of, but that's so fucking cool. I mean, you do have you do have other cultures which did kind of practice not on this scale, like nowhere near on the scale of the Terracotta army of Chin Shu Huang. Do you have uh, anywhere else in the world? Do you have other places like you do have the tombs in Egypt where you had, you know, uh, they built like actual boats there's actual ships there's actual um small figures which kind of represent you know armies or soldiers or wives or things like that but here in the mausoleum of the first emperor of the chin you have this entire army of terracotta warriors like everything down to the detail of the armor the weapons that they used um th this was the first time in history where you got an accurate picture of what it it, it told you so much information about what life was like during that period, which we had never known before. And did they, didn't they like, they now know because of how they are positioned in the ground, what they've dug up, like how armies were like formed and how they were positioned in formation. And yeah, they were formed in, in like battle formation and stuff. Like they were ready to like march onto troops. Like that's how they were uh, laid in these, in these tombs. And the other thing that I found really fascinating was about them. If you look them up, I mean, a lot of the terracotta soldiers now, uh, because they've been exposed to air, they look like clay and like hardened clay and stuff. But when they were first dug up, you know, there was lots of them had paint still on them that would like disappear when the oxygen would hit them. Right. Wow. The paint, the paint was so old, like it had just been in there. And once it was, you know, oxidized, once it was exposed to air, it just almost disappeared like overnight so you have what you see now the pictures of the terracotta warriors and stuff like that i think they might have actual um like terracotta warriors that they've uh restored to like their original colorations like you can find pictures of those but yeah it, it's it, it kind of goes to show you that the ancient world was a lot more colorful than we think it is. Like when you think back to the, like when we talked about Teotihuacan, like you go back there and you look at the, the Aztec temples or you look at Egyptian, you know, pyramids and things like that, temples and things like that. These places were actually like extremely colorful. Like they had painted all types of colors, everything that you could possibly imagine all uh, vibrant and, and lifelike to, to such detail. Yeah, and like these it, these terracotta soldiers were like looked lifelike, painted mustaches, you know, skin tones, um, everything like bedazzled armor and shit. Like, like they would have looked spectacular and all unique. So once they began excavating these these terracotta soldiers, they found that the they actually buried them with their weapons as well, like actual weapons that they probably would have used in battle. So this gives us a really good picture of what 
of, of kind of tactics and what kind of technology that the the Qin dynasty actually had access to, which this is fascinating because the tech, a lot of archaeologists and historians uh, attribute the effectiveness and like the of the Chin army to their level of technology. Right. Like they had a level of technology that was thought almost impossible at that time. Well, but, there was that, I, I remember reading, I'm, I can't remember the name of it, but there was a type of uh, work that they did with the swords that wasn't discovered by the Germans until like the 1930s. And then right, in the uh, States until the 1950s. That was how they like coded the weapons. What was it called? Um, Chromium oxide. Chromium, Chromium oxide. oxide. That's right. Yeah. So right. what that would do is that would prevent the rot, like any rusting. Yeah. No rusting. So when they're buried, like they're, when they found the swords, they were still like they were when they were buried two thousand years the ago. The fact that they were that advanced, like that far ahead of, especially like you look at the Germans who have been ahead of every, they've been ahead of the curve in every other type of technological advances. You know what I mean? And the Chinese were doing this at what time, Dan? Like that's crazy. Yeah, like over been 2, like 200 BC. Well, yeah, 200 BC. And yeah, Germans and like World War II tech, that was all like we had electricity. We have we had like power generation and Yeah. Uh America didn't discover the process really until the 1950s. Uh yeah. Germany was there like the 1930s. Yeah, that's but crazy. But that that whole process of that and they also had like a unique way of also treating their their the the weapons themselves, like the building of the swords. So their swords were actually their swords and blades were a lot more durable than those of their enemies. So it's like they wouldn't break they or they'd have, you know, less chance of breaking during battle and things like that. Well, so, and to think that they were able to spare eight, potentially 8,000 swords and just be like, yeah, these are going for these statues. Like, fuck it. No big, you know what no I mean? big deal. Our military doesn't need these swords. Let's just bury them. Yeah. Like that's crazy. Well, and then even with like the crossbows and stuff too, like, so they had, they had single shot cross, like automatic fire crossbows. And not only were they automatic, but like each one, they, they would like seemingly mass produce these things and mass produce them to a point where like the trigger, the unique trigger mechanisms could be, if something broke, you could quickly in battle, take it apart and put a replacement piece in and like fix your weapon on the battlefield. Like it was... It's like they were molded, like all the pieces were molded yeah. like almost perfectly. And their uh, their spear axe or whatever that was called too, the same thing, like it was all uniform. Like they had some sort of like mass manufacturing that all these pieces were unison and you could just interchange them with others for quick repairs, like in a hurry, which would make them light years ahead of the other like people in of China. Well, that think, think about that weapon, a spear axe is exactly what it sounds like. And when you look at it, you're like, that you could pretty much use that anyway, and it's super deadly. And badass. Yeah, super badass. Yeah, it was a blade axe. I think I think the popular practice was like if if you look at it or you look up kind of a blade axe, it's it's basically an L-shaped blade on the end of a spear, like on the side. Kind of looks like a halberd, but it's got more of a curve to it. And so you would like stab it. And then you turn it 90 degrees so you'd grip onto the enemy's weapon or whatever, then you would pull forward. So like then either disarm them or them, pulling yeah. them off balance was kind of the, the, the thing that they would do. And yeah. you know what the other thing that blew me away was that they were saying that these single shot crossbows they had could outshoot like distance wise, like modern day assault rifles. That's how powerful what? these things were. No way. In that documentary no we watched. Way. Yeah. That's what it's, wow. that's what the documentary claims is that these 
arrows could shoot like a mile. Well, I don't know. A, a mile is like, that's a fucking long way, man. But maybe, <laughs> that's maybe. The, that's, listen, that's the claims of this documentary we watched. I mean, they did. I don't think it, a, a modern day assault rifle is effective up to a mile. I think it, they were thinking more like a couple hundred yards. No, but I could imagine though at short range, like say like 30 meters, like 90 feet, 100 feet. A crossbow, like made of like, because what it was, uh, they found bronze shafts, right? So you have like a, right. you got like a heavy shaft at thirty meters out of like a mechanism, probably would pack like a pretty, like that's pretty powerful weapon. You probably if I could puncture any weapon of or any armor of the day, four hundred and fifty meters, wow. they could fire. Wow, that's fucking, yeah. That's I mean, wild. If you had the perfect arc it's on it, it's the furthest out of crossbows. Chinese crossbows have the largest range. Of any crossbow ever created. Even modern crossbow? Well, I don't know about modern. This is like the history of crossbows. And like it in, just the, shows in the ancient world the, of crossbows. The, the range 450 meters, up to 450 meters. That's, that yeah, is, that's Could you imagine shooting your like your enemies 450 meters away and then being just a you're just shooting it like a pistol because that's what it looked like. Holding it, cranking it back, sliding the shaft in, shooting it, and then stepping back and someone stepping forward. Like you would pulverize. Well, yeah, that's yeah, and of course, of course, the advantages of the crossbows are the biggest advantage is like it doesn't take that much training to do. Like when you had in ancient times, like you know, to to train archers would take months, if not a year, to kind of get the the straight the right strength, you know, the way to to arm themselves with their bows, like train them to use them correctly, all of that. You kind of have that. You lose one archer, then you have to train the whole thing. But with this, a crossbow, you could pretty much just put it in the hands of like any peasant and just be like, point, go. Point and click. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So you have all of these amazing technological advances like during the Qin dynasty that we found like in the 70s that they they had never previously known that they had had. Chinshu Huang is also known as Chinshu Huang Di, and Huang Di is also the name of a mythological figure, or, or perhaps mythological historical figure in Chinese history, known as the Yellow Emperor. Now, this is where you get kind of stuff gets kind of weird because you have the Yellow Emperor was also this figure that is uh, they kind of place him. I don't know, like a sense that you know he he descended from the heavens. Um, with uh, with a couple other sovereigns, and they kind of—if you go into the kind of story, it sounds very similar to kind of the like the Anunnaki kind of myth, where you have these these watchers or these these heavenly figures that come down from the heavens and and teach you know laws. They they teach the the people about medicine, about farming, about all of these things, and that's kind of what the the hev- the Huangdi was the the figure for the Chinese. Right. Yeah, so, he was descendant of the sons of the heaven, is what they called it. So you have this very, you know, China has an extremely long history. Like it is very, you know, a very full history. And it's like this, this stuff is kind of when you get into these ones, when they go back, you're like, how accurate is their history? China does have a very, uh, very good hit in like bookkeeping, but it's like, you know, well, there, they, there's. They also believe that this guy was possessed by a dragon named Chang Huan that could travel through space at enormous velocities. So, I mean, mm. if he could do that, that's pretty badass, but it might be a little bit travel of through space, imagine. travel through space. Uh, uh sounds like spaceship to me. Yes. Could <laughs> be but, but something. Listen, like, is that so wild to think you have this, you have, you know, this one culture that seemingly has such advancement in technology compared to others. 
that they are like you know they're they're manufacturing weapons they're you know building these terracotta armies like these how much longer did thing. it take them to develop gunpowder you know what i mean like that's that fucking changed yeah. the world uh chinese medical science was extremely ad- advanced at the time as well like they had their doctors were probably probably some of the best in the world if not the best in the world at the time right they had these you know advances in, in acupuncture things like that it, it, the te- the stuff that we learned from uh just like the the maus- this actual mausoleum uncovering is is just like massive amounts of information about the time and so but the weirdest thing is that technically the tomb of Chin Chu Huang is still lost. We found it. We know where it is. Okay. But it still hasn't been uncovered. Okay, we gotta talk about this because that's I've I've been itching to itching to get into it because we talked about how advanced <laughs> they are to build these terracotta armies and the weaponry. And then so we found that, and that's not where because they've never found him. They've never found the, the body, right? But they know they, no. they know they they're pretty sure where he is. And it's in this giant mound. Okay, if like we've talked about the pyramids before and how insanely like the footprint, how big the Great Pyramid is, this thing is the greatest, is the biggest footprint, like stack structure on the planet. Yes. So how big which is, is it? wild because I never knew this before we looked into this. No, this I had no idea. How big is it? So the actual burial mound itself, like the mo- so you have you have like a burial complex, right? So you have the 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 actual terracotta warriors. Uh, uh, placed that are in, put away like they're not mm-hmm. quite beside right they're kind of outside and they kind of surround uh, this large burial mound where they assume is the actual tomb of Chin Chu Huang and so the burial mound itself its dimensions are it's it's 350 meters long 345 meters wide and they have its height at 55 meters so how is that compared to like the pyramids of Giza so it's the Pyramid of Giza is higher. So the length is about 230 meters and the height being 147 meters. So it's taller, but not nearly as much of a footprint. No. So th- this no, mausoleum obviously. mound is insane. Like, so what? 350, 350 by 345 is not a perfect square where the Great Pyramid is, pyramid is 230 square. So Do we know if it's like lined up with any like... Any fucking astrological? We don't know much about it other than it's a mound because it's never been touched. Because it's in China. But it's in, well, it's in China and they're, I mean, some people say that they're doing the right thing because they don't have the proper techniques to maybe like unearth it, unearth the thing without actually damaging it. Yeah, that's that's one thing. There's actually a couple of reasons. So that's one reason that they, they are afraid of damaging uh, what could possibly be buried in the actual tomb of Chin Chu Huang. And you have the, cause you had the terracotta warriors and, and archeologists have, re, you know, they realized what they did by exposing these things to air and, and the, the excavation techniques that they had access to at the time uh, were not sufficient to kind of preserve uh, what they could have, you know, a hundred percent of what they could have preserved uh, in there and digging everything up. So they don't want to damage those things. But also the legend is that inside this tomb, this tomb is supposed to be extraordinarily extravagant. <laughs> um, yeah. From the histories, uh, one historian wrote that 
uh, a description of what's inside said that this, what you have is basically an entire underground kingdom complex, like an entire palace uh, that has a ceiling which simulates the night sky where there are pearls inset in, inset in the ceiling to simulate, to, to kind of take the place of stars. And then you have like pits full of perhaps what are terracotta concubines uh, that have never been discovered. And, you know, cause that, we didn't mention that they also, not just besides the soldiers, but they also found terracotta figures of like acrobats and like entertainers uh, in another like part kind of outside of the complex buried underneath the ground. So it's like, it's very possible that those are in there as well. Like he's burying the whole history of his time with them, like how, how the armies operated, the arts and culture. They even found, didn't they find, they found it of horses, like mounted horses and a whole bunch of stuff. Right, they found chariots. They found uh, like saddled horses and things Which like this. They didn't even think existed around right. this time. One of the most descri- like descriptive uh, parts about the uh, about the tomb from the histories we have. Like, here's an actual quote uh, from it's, it's Sim, Sima Chen, who is the historian who wrote the Shiji, and uh, his quote is saying that craftsmen were ordered to make crossbows and arrows primed to shoot at anyone who enters the tomb. Mercury was used to simulate the hundred rivers, the Yangtze and the Yellow River and the Great Sea. And they were set to flow mechanically. And above these were representations of the heavenly constellations. Below were the features of the land. And they had candles that were made from the fat of, they say man fish. Yeah, what, I've also what seen that, that translated as mermaids. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You, mermaids? Or are we talking old Greg? No, some would say the best of both worlds. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I picture a Chinese old Greg. What are you doing in my waters, fool? Come on, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> you want some cream? So, you ever drink Bailey's from a shoe? <laughs> <laughs> since, since archaeologists haven't actually been inside and no one's been able to get a good look at what is inside this tomb, uh, they, only ha- they only have kind of uh, chemical and spectrum analysis to go on uh, of, of the, the terrain around the mound. So we don't know if the mercury oceans and rivers are actually myth or not but historian archaeologists are actually like they actually put a lot of uh they put a lot of stock in that legend because they've done the analysis of the ground around that area and they said that the level of mercury is 20 times higher than the amount in the surrounding areas. So they're yeah. saying that, you know, this is one of the reasons that they also don't want to excavate it is because you would be at extreme risk of mercury poisons, poisoning since it's highly toxic. Man, you could possibly I, I call bullshit. Like these guys, whatever century this was, were shooting fucking crossbows a mile long. They got mercury rivers and nowadays they're fucking cloning people. They got the technology. They've already been in there. They know what's going on there. They just don't want us to know. They're hiding it. Dude, that's the thing about it, like stuff from China is if you look hard, you can find some stuff. But it's not like most places, like most like ancient sites around the world, you can find so much on them. But anything about China, it seems like because not only like of this burial mound, like this giant one, that's like a, it's kind of like a, it's a pyramid-esque. It's like a step pyramid, like a Mesoamerican, like a Mayan pyramid. Yeah. And not not only here, but like all over China. If you like just if you go looking, you can find reports and like some 
so, show you like um, like Google Earth video like images of what looks to be a whole bunch of other step pyramid looking figures all over China, and they haven't really let anyone in, not very many people, to actually go study them. So it, it's just super weird. We got to get a call with Indiana Jones. Dude. He's the only guy that can do it. Yeah. Um, do we want to take a beer break before we keep going, Zell? Yeah. So yeah, sure. Let's take a beer break right there, and then uh, we'll keep going. Quick beer break. We'll be back. So we were talking about this uh, the actual tomb of the emperor himself. Now, we've never seen his body. They don't know whether, nope. uh, you know, we don't even actually know if the body is in there. Uh, but if we, but if he is, the interesting thing is that the methods of preservation that the Chinese were using at the time, actually only a few, like maybe a hundred years after his death, not even that far, probably like maybe 30 years after his death, um, out in the Hunan province of China, they found a tomb of what is known as the Lady of Dai, or that's how they, that's how they call her, who was a, a, apparently a noble woman at the time. And we, we saw in the documentary that we watched, and you can look it up, it is probably one of the best preserved ancient corpses it, it was in the world. Mind-blowing. I did... To this day, I thought like the if if we were talking about preservation of bodies, I thought the Egyptian pyramids, from like my understanding, if you were like, what culture had the best at preserving uh, bodies? I'd be like, uh, probably Egyptians, I think, with the mummies, right? And I'm like, they're they're wrong. They're still living, almost. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, when when they pulled her out, her her tomb was essentially airtight. Like when they built it, like her, her caught, like her sarcophagus, like they buried her underground, like they made that, that it was almost like a perfectly hermetic seal. And when they pulled her out, when they excavated her tomb, like she was still squishy. <laughs> her organs were still good and she still had blood in her body. Yeah. What? What do you yeah. mean? What do you Dude, mean? Good. Buddy, that what? means she's a vampire. We learned that already. They She's had her buried 45 feet down in this like sealed tomb, like airtight tomb. And like there's video of them and they're like, po they like poke her skin and it's still got like a little bit of elasticity to it. It's the, it was the craziest, it was the craziest shit I've ever seen. I was like, I was blown away. I didn't even think that was a possibility. I was like, dude, if they ever unearth this Qui-Gon Jinn guy, he's down there. He's <laughs> going to be so live raving a hundred feet deep <laughs> dancing on mercury pools. And you might not be wrong because if she's just some noble woman from like no name noble woman out in the Hunan province, like the first emperor of China, you would think that his tomb would be a lot more carefully preserved and, and taken care of. Like when they when they built it, like it is, uh, you know, they they gave some estimate of that, like it took 700,000 laborers working on the complex for 30 years. That's insane. Uh to 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 finish everything. Meanwhile, right. you got the other half laborers working on the Great Wall. Like, right. Jesus, this guy accomplished a shit ton, hey. And how? Right. What he died in his fifties. Yeah, he, right. He ruled for like thirty, wow. just just over thirty years, pretty much. Right. And he was planning to rule for a lot longer than thirty years because Chin Chu Wang, you know, he built this. Uh, he had this, you know, contracted this huge mausoleum built for himself. But the funny thing is, he never planned to die. Ooh, so he's the Chinese Don Quixote. Welcome to the club. 
<laughs> Zell, are you Chin Chi Wong? Are you trying to tell us that? Yeah. Ooh. Skin color can change over time. Stay out of the sun long enough. That's, I mean, that's all I'll say. <laughs> so, Chin Chi Wong is also famous not only for the Great Wall and his accomplishments in the unification of China, but also his quest for immortality. Oh, this movie is getting so good. <laughs> but so the best good. part about the fact that his quest for immortality ended up leading to his fucking death. Pretty basically. much. Seems to be. For, what killed him. For the last 10 years of his life, you know, last decade, uh, Chin Shu Wong sent every one of his scholars, every one of his, you know, proclaimed magicians and wise men in the nation to find, you know, the substance, an elixir, uh, an herb or anything that would give him you know, everlasting life. He strongly believed that it existed and he was going to find it. Try and get the elixir life. Right. He, he issued an executive order and archaeologists in China actually found uh, wooden slips from that time. Uh, they, they found these in 2002, which were actual decrees of the, um, of the emperor himself writing out being like, to everywhere like you need to go find this to get to drop everything and find me the fucking the fountain of youth the you know everlasting uh, you know ambrosia whatever you want to call it but whatever is going to give me eternal life you better fucking find it dude i we were talking about it before but it that's so crazy because that so ancient chinese dan you said you asked a friend who spoke chinese or spoke mandarin it'd be mandarin right not not uh, Cantonese. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mandarin is what they speak in mainland. You could, you could yeah. go back 2,000 years and you could pretty much like read ancient Chinese from modern Chinese. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's changed all that much. I asked, I had a coworker that worked with me in Thailand, and I asked him, like, could you read ancient Chinese? Could you speak ancient Cantonese? And he's like, Yeah, it hasn't really changed all that much. Like he's he could probably go back at least like a thousand years and still be able to to you know i don't even understand shakespeare that's what i mean you go back like 600 years and like go to old english and if you went back in time you would not know like what they're saying like you i guess if you sat down you could maybe read it i don't know all the yees and olds and yeah um i I know i remember reading in one of my uh during one of my linguistic studies or whatever it was uh talking about how the dialects even in like probably 10th or 11th century uh england like you could go from one town to the other and they would almost speak like a completely different dialect and a completely different language almost like it would be english but it wasn't not you wouldn't be able to understand each other at all it's so like writing would change like the the letters would change from either from place to place like it's yeah and it's it's insane to think like back then you know two thousand years ago you had an entire nation, which is like, yeah, we've all write the same language. Dude, we all have that. Even today, sometimes when Byron gets a little drunk, I'm like, <laughs> what fucking language is this motherfucker talk? I can't understand a <laughs> lick of what he's saying. Oh, spoken language? Yeah, no chance. Yeah. So, like, it's wild, like, written. If he was drunk when he wrote, though, he'd probably be the, get the same response, so. So some of the things like you had responses, like we have the actual responses from some of the governors uh, that still survive to today, uh, you know, addressing the, the emperor in his search, like telling them what what they will find. Like one told him, uh, you know, we haven't found it yet, but but we're gonna 
Like we're, we're, we're going to get out there. We're going to do our best. And then you had another one uh, that would send the emperor and then telling him, you know, I mean, at this point you have the emperor who is pretty much the most powerful man in the world asking you to do something. And pretty much I, I would imagine at this point you'd be like, well, if we don't find it, we're going to fucking die. So <laughs> we bet everybody look busy. <laughs> do something. Yeah. Uh, Put on so your wizard some, hat. Yeah. So mm. I think a lot of them kind of wrote that like, yeah, there's this herb on this mountain that you have to go find that it's probably up there in this really hard to get to place. Oh, this movie is getting so good. I'm telling you. Well, there was one strategy he did have for eternal youth, which he did do, which spoiler alert did not fucking work. Yeah. Ill-advised one would say. Yeah. One would say it's probably not a good idea to take mercury pills. Why not? Well, yeah, he, uh, the story is, or he is alleged that he did start taking like a, a type of like uh pill that was either mercury based on mercury or it was like cinnabar. Like he would take small cinnabon? portions of c- cinnabar. Love cinnabon. Which is like, it's like mercury oxide. So he died of or... diabetes is what you're saying? <laughs> Too much cinnabon? <laughs> Couldn't get his fucking EpiPen. <laughs> Bad. Those are can get his. <laughs> they have <laughs> universal health care in China. Yeah, they didn't have insulin. Didn't have insulin back then. But one of the one of the things that come out of this this whole search for the, the the elixir of life is you have this one figure historical figure known as Zhu Fu, and Zhu Fu was a uh, what he was as a his official title is like court sorcerer. That's fucking awesome. Pretty fucking, I want to be able to put that on my resume. Are we talking about Zabumafu, the spider monkey? He's a lemur. That's a A lemur. I mean, sorry. Yeah. We're talking about something else. We're talking about the Uh, court wizard or the court sorcerer. Right. Uh, (laughs) Zufu was actually from uh, Zifu Island. And he wrote to the emperor telling him that there was a place called Pengle Island uh, that was out in the somewhere hidden in the Pacific Ocean. And he swore that on this <laughs> island lived eight immortals who held the, the, the secret to the elixir of life. And, not, and they were like a thousand years old or something. Right. And he said that, well, he said that he was going to go look for this if, if the emperor funded his, his search. You know, he, was, he had a... Uh, he was going to take a magi- another fellow magician, I suppose. I don't know. They're in the same fucking another Jafar. Yeah. in the same coven or cabal. I don't know uh, that he was going to take this other magician with him who is supposedly 1000 years old. And I said earlier that I was like, it probably was just some random old hobo that he found on the side of the street. <laughs> and was like, Hey, you're a thousand years old now and you're a magician. Okay. You've been smoking way too much Chinese opium. Yeah. Way too much. So, of course, the emperor at this point was like, yeah, sure, I believe you, and f- gave him what it seemed to be. It's like he sent him with like 60 ships and 6,000 soldiers and craftsmen to go look for this island. And this was the first voyage. He actually had two voyages. And the first voyage he took off and then uh, didn't do... Uh, most people said that Zufu pretty much took the fucking emperor for a ride because they said he didn't find shit. And they're like, he just came back. He went back to Zifu Island and just like chilled out there and partied. Probably and so probably came so back nice. with a fucking pangolin and was like, here, pangolin, this is the cure for everything. Grind up their fucking shells and you'll be fine. <laughs> well, 
He's chilling on Zifu Island and the emperor showed up, you know, after nine years, almost a decade that, you know, Zifu had was supposed to be looking for this elixir for life. And, you know, he asked Zifu like, yo, where the fuck is my fucking immortality, dude? He's like, oh, uh, uh, we couldn't get to the island because there was a sea monster. Oh, okay. Right. So <laughs> wait, 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 you wait, need... wait, wait. Like Gojira? Yes. Like, yeah, we're talking to Kaiju? Yeah. It's not Japanese, Japanese, though. Japanese. That's Japanese. Japanese. Yeah, that's well, like, Japanese. we're out in the Pacific, so we're probably closer to Japan at this point. Let's be that's real. Fair. So, you know, in and in that period, you know, sea monster was a, a legitimate excuse for not being able to do something. <laughs> that's that's the Dude. fucking that that was the era of like sick notes back then wasn't anything to yeah. do with like fucking sea your dog eating your homework or anything like that i was like no listen sea monster. kaiju couldn't get yeah, the fucking work do, fucking gojira monster rank five fucking it's yeah it is wild to me because uh zufu is like we need an archer to kill the beast like that you need to send me with an archer <laughs> and this badass motherfucker is like no 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 uh-uh I got a bow. I'll come. I'll kill him. Yeah, he's the dragon. He's the dragon. He's, a, he's dragon. Yeah, that shit. yeah, dragon emperor. Like he's yeah, like, no I'll problem. do it. Yeah, fuck. So Jinchu Wang boards a ship with Jufu, and they they head out onto the ocean. And you know, probably <laughs> Jufu's probably like shitting his pants at these point. He's like, oh shit, fuck. What are we gonna do? Luckily for him, the the stories say that a a whale or some type of other large marine creature showed up and he he's just like that's it that's <laughs> the monster well think about it because they came from like they were in like central china they weren't like coastal china right where they came from uh, he was i mean he lived out there in the island zifu island i think was out in the no but that way but the first emperor well yeah his part was there but he he did have this habit of like traveling around so i mean I mean, but still, whales were still kind of mysterious animal creatures. It could that's what I mean. Yeah. So maybe he had heard maybe what maybe whales were sea monsters and he never seen one. But the Zufu just like just got lucky, pretty much. A whale just like a humpback whale surfaced, and he's like, "That's the that's why we can't get the elixir." Sorry, yeah. Like, and and dude, honestly, I will I will say like I've seen a humpback here, and when it was in the water flipping around and like playing i was coming down driving down the hill and i was like it was so big that i was like what the hell is that <laughs> and it took my it take my took my brain a little bit to register what i was seeing because it was so like i didn't i'd never seen something that big it was wild just like a 70 pound monster just fly out of the water and flap down yeah. 70 pounds it's or, probably bigger no, than sorry that. i like meant 70 100 70 feet it's probably like <laughs> yeah 70 it was tons humongous. or something 100 tons I don't know how much do they weigh. I have no so idea. So he, so so he basically did his best Captain Ahab impression and took out a fucking whale. Is that what you're telling me, Dan? Uh, yeah, Chin Chu Huang ordered his archers to slay the monster, and uh, they shot it full arrows, and it dead. And he's like, "Okay, I've solved your problem for your Zufu. Get back to fucking work." Yeah. Get me my elixir, and he comes back with mercury pills. Here you go. Try these. Yeah, he he gave him those for in the meantime, I believe, like because uh, he be, uh, he would been taking these mercury pills in order to extend his life. He, I don't think he believed that they were going to give him eternal life, but they were going to extend it. 
This Zufu um, guy's a fucking genius. He's like, listen, I'm gonna fucking poison this guy. He's, he's gonna a, die, and then I get to hang out with this fucking at this sweet ass island by myself with all these people who think I'm the fucking man are gonna listen to what I say. That's a true wizard. Well, true wizard right there. Yeah, okay. and after Sufu, after they slayed the the monster, returned back to Zifu Island. Uh, this the emperor sent him out on his second voyage. <laughs> Zufu like packed enough clout to be able to take a second voyage, and then on this second voyage, he never returned. Oh man, this he is totally the Rasputin of China. He's the, yeah, Zufu, he's Chinese Rasputin, <laughs> lover of the Chinese queen. He fucking killed it. That guy's a badass. So he took off, and the thing is, like, the where Zufu ended up is still a, a kind of mystery. But some people believe that Zufu actually took his large, you know, relatively large fleet of ships, craftsmen, soldiers. Uh, he had women, children, all these people with him, and actually ended up colonizing a part of Japan. Uh, you have actual places uh, where they actually worship Zufu as like a, a deity. In Japan, they they worship him as like the god of of medicine, of silk, of science in those places. So they're saying that he found that when he talked about this sacred like a mountain Mount Pengle, he was actually talking about he was actually talking about Mount Fuji. Oh, so he Ooh, maybe the second time he escaped, he's like, oh, I can't go back. I can't get lucky again with a whale. Right. Or the what first if, time he went out, he found Japan. What if he found it? And no, then what he if was he like. Found it? I know where this is, and then he he's still came alive. back, and then he took off. Wait, what? Dude, he's oh, pulling he, his he had, he definitely he's, had some Rasputin energy. So, hundred dude, he probably found it. He's probably like Zell, five hundred million years old, still kicking it. <laughs> Little translucent, but it's all good. Maybe Zell is Zufu. So fucking Z, same sound. Case closed. Zalufu. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. Fucking Zalufu. Well, I mean, you I like can't uh, sound. You can't disprove that, I guess. That checks yeah. out. <laughs> there you go. Done. Thank, thank you guys for listening. Have a good night. Where's Mr. Conspiracy? He needs a cue card that says fucking solved. Yeah. <laughs> Donezo. He's coming back soon, I think. Good. So yeah, shortly after Zufu left on his second voyage, you know, Chin Chu Huang kicked it, dead from mercury poisoning. <laughs> And then they buried him in his amazing tomb, his lost tomb, which is now found, but still lost. Still unopened. Think about how crazy that is that they can build the biggest footprint mausoleum in the world, but they didn't realize that mercury was toxic. <laughs> it's crazy. It's nuts. It's like everybody in the world thought mar- mercury was just like the coolest shit. And we probably didn't know how bad it was for us until like the uh, early, you know what? Like 1900s. I, you know what? No, I can, I can say something to that. Cause I think someone else will be able to uh, re- remember. Do you remember going to Mexico when you're young, like eight? I went with my parents when I was like eight and the guy on the beach was selling gla- like necklaces and in the necklace, they had mercury in like the, in like suspended in water, like a thermometer kind of. Did no one remember that? Was that just me or did I? No, because I, I, think just you. I didn't go to Mexico when I was eight. My parents were like, stay away from that poison. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. Explains a lot, um, I guess. Well, I found it really interesting. Speaking of that, that like I like the parallels between this, you know, the description of his mausoleum and, you know, Teotihuacan, where we have like, you know, the mercury pools, you know, the decorated ceilings. And you have these two cultures that were like very like, you know, traveling through, you know, talk about space travel and things visiting. 
there was a lot of parallels for me where I was like, it's very interesting that these two cultures separated, you know, by vast, vast distance. Other side you know, of the had, planet. S- had very similar, like, shaped pyramids. Yep. And, you know, these designs inside of, like, these mercury pools and, like, the decorative ceilings. I, f- I found that very fascinating. That And, you know, just their fascination with space and uh, immortality... I wonder if there's something to it. That's what I was that, that I kept leaning into. Um, I know some historians are are floating around the idea, or it's been out there for a while, that perhaps there was contact between like ancient Chinese cultures and either North American, uh, you know, native cultures that were here. North, maybe some cent- maybe even Central America. There's those theories that are floating around, and we can ex- we'll probably explore them on a on another podcast like for sure but um i know that those theories have kind of floated around well yeah i've seen those because yeah because that that theory goes deep but we're not going to get fully into it today but you look at like step pyramids of egypt step pyramids like well the mausoleums of china there's dozens of them the step pyramids of central america and teotihuacan like in mexico they all look so similar yet they're separated if you go with like the accepted archaeological timeline like age, ancient egypt was like 45 like 4500 years ago and then you had uh, the period like the mausoleums at this time in china like what's that just 300 bc and then about 200 bc or at least that yeah. ma- the mausoleum has been about like 200 bc yeah but probably. then they say the, the mayans were like 900 a.d so like separated by thousands of years but like the same structure yet no one ever knew so it's, it's like that's where the theory goes is is it Humans are just wired to eventually discover that like style of building. Like just, that's just the way, like the linear way we go or were they connected some, through, some way through trade or like some type of other, like global spanning something. It's cool to think about. Well, I even thought I was starting to think about like, what if something, what if something visited them and gave them the, the, like not even like technology, you wouldn't even have to advance them too much, but like, you're not going to give like fucking ray guns to like an ancient civilization. They were not going to know what the fuck to do with it. But like, what if you just gave them like the idea of like one, you know, uh, dying, like one group, the idea of like, you know, if you manufacture these crossbows like this, it's way more efficient. And then right there you give like, even just that little bit of knowledge gives them such a advantage over all the other like civilizations around that time, like any kind of like, any kind of little advancement would be monumental, uh, especially at that time. Well, it would allow you to fucking conquer the entire area and create fucking China. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, look what that did. Look at those small little advancements did for, oh, fuck. <laughs> I had his name down and I'm like, both to say it. Quinn Shu Huang. Quinn Shu Huang. Quinn Shu Huang. Chin Shu Huang. I mean, I kind of liked Qui Gon Jin. Also good. <laughs> I mean, Qui Gon Jin's cool too. <laughs> He's fucking Liam Neeson's man. Yeah. Badass. He did fucking go like a punk though. He did die, but Darth Maul was a badass. So, what can you do? But it was. I uh, <laughs> I thought that like it was very. Those parallels for me really stuck out. The other thing that I I thought, and then I had a interesting uh, like theory on. Um, when I was watching the things for the the Terracotta Armada, um, <laughs> one I was like, "This is very like, I couldn't believe like the size and the amount." But imagine if you use those things because you know you would have them posed holding real weapons, 
So imagine you like a uh, uh, opposing army showed up and you had these things all stood out. So when an opposing army went they and or came over a hill or whatever, they would see, you know, triple the numbers of what you actually have. And then if you had, you know, your army hidden in the in the in the midst too, right? Because some people there was one thing that referred to them as the dead army. And then I was I was kind of like I was thought well like wouldn't that be a cool idea whereas if you had your army mixed in with these terracotta soldiers and opposing forces were marching through not realizing that some are real and then you get ambushed or even you just are fear because you think well look at the size of that like military force because that that's just what I thought maybe they could be used for oh dude is it was more of like a fool's tactic hundred percent because. I, I'm just going to spitball, but I don't think they had any type of telescope at before, yeah. right? Well, you you know, you put your fist over your eye. Yeah, but that's what I mean. So you, you, you come over, you come over the hill, you see the army. So the, in the first, like, say you had an army of 3,000, like of real soldiers in the front. Yeah. And then behind them, you had 10,000 terracotta soldiers. By that point, you wouldn't be able to notice if they weren't moving, probably. It just looked like they you- had that many extra. How many fucking people lock it up when they see a cardboard cutout of an RCMP officer with a fucking... Oh. Exactly. <laughs> fucking... You know what I mean? Like, how many times are you cruising through a school zone and be like, oh, fuck! I've got busted... Lock them I up. I got busted a dozen times. I'm only going, like, 35 in the school zone. And I see that cardboard yeah. cutout, and I know... Like, I know it's fake, but you still can't help but to react. You're like, fuck! And you're like, oh, oh, oh yeah, okay, fucking, relax. You're lit. You're like, done! Lock them but up. But that's yeah. the thing. Like, if you, if you would constantly, like, come to this military force and you're like how do they have these numbers where do they have these soldiers like look at them are like you wouldn't know like could you risk going in and if you had some real ones like mixed in to like kill scouts that were coming in they'd be like they have an army of statues that come to life you just got a whole bunch of those uh statue performers (laughs) but you just described the you just described the plot to the tomb of the dragon emperor that was it mummy Three, three, yeah, three, yeah, right. Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like, think about the guy though. Like, think about being that one guy that was like, "Fuck it, I'm going. I'm taking these fuckers out by myself, no problem." Rolls up to a fucking eight thousand statues and like just looks like the biggest badass ever. (laughs) No problem. They're not even real. Well, I will say that I don't think he necessarily would have needed the terracotta army because they would have been difficult to move logistically moving that many because they are hollow like how they built them as you know how they built them was like they basically just they took ropes of clay yeah yeah and then just stack stack them stack them and then shape uh the 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 chin army was actually probably the biggest army uh, in that region, yeah, like but they, that's what they—they they numbered Dan, like a million. That's the people. thing, though. This is what the history books tell us. They wrote that <laughs> shit. They wrote that shit, right? How many of these people are fucking clay people, right? All of them. There During was no the chin census, army. Just if they're counting heads, how many heads of <laughs> terracotta soldiers did they count? We'll never I'm know. Pretty sure none, but. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I don't, yeah, sure. I mean, whatever. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to get into that really bugs me is like they're inflating their census numbers <laughs> in 200 BC. We need more federal funding because we have like 10,000 people in our province. Like those are all yeah. terracotta wars, terracotta people. It's uh, 
other mm-hmm. thing that really bugs me about this, and, and I get it from one point of view of like them saying from like a scientific point of view is they don't want to disturb this thing because they don't want to possibly damage whatever's inside. Yep. But to me, I'm like, what is there any place else on earth where we will not go in in the name of science and not disturb it other than well, this that, place? Can you think of that, somewhere else? Because That's I the big problem because it, it is like we realize, you know, archaeologists now realize how much we have lost because like, if, for example, like the, the, the tomb of Tutankhamun, like there's a tons of shit that was got fucked up when they just like busted in there. Right. You know, and it's just like all, all of the, the kind of, uh, you know, whether it's those, you know, colors, painting, materials, things that all kind of got all fucked up when you just like walk in there like, ha ha, I found it. Yeah. If they could have like opened that tomb, because they opened that tomb in like the 1930s or 40s or something like a long time ago. But if they could have saved it till they had the techniques to like be able to ent- enter the tomb while like cre- like creating an airlock so you didn't actually let in outside air and like went with like a robot and looked at it all first before you opened it. Yeah, we might have found a lot ex- a lot of extra stuff, a lot of more detail. But that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying right now is like, do we not have technology that we couldn't send in some sort of drone or like robotic things through a like a, a soft drilled hole? Well, maybe the Chinese government like, knows not? something. They're making pig babies. A little more extraterrestrial. Well, I th- also the thing is, is like this thing is really deep down. Like it's 85, 90 feet below the surface. Yeah, there's the giant get down there. like step pyramid mound above it. And then they had to like dig down that far beneath this. That's where the actual, they think the tomb actually is. Surrounded yeah. by the potentially rivers of mercury. Yeah, super toxic mercury, which <laughs> is, yeah. I think that's a big problem too. Cause like you can't really, you can't dig it out. Because you need everybody needs to have special protective equipment on, which would suck. Or you got to do it all remotely, and then the the cost would be extra astronomical. It'd be way too, yeah, it'd yeah. be way too expensive. I tried to, I actually I tried to look up like the cost of like an archaeological expedition, and I couldn't get like a straight answer because it really depends. It, all of the things were kind of like it depends on where it is, how many people, how deep down it is. But I imagine like ninety feet down, potentially surrounded by mercury. Uh, like we don't actually know what's down there would probably yeah, go into like the millions of dollars. And I don't think any university would like pony up the bill, like pony up the money to actually do it. No, like when we're reading for this case, they're like, yeah, they're going to be digging and excavating this area for hundreds of years before they yeah. find like, say like, find like, I think that's everything. Be Which is nuts because it's like, it, it is a lost tomb. But it's it's right there. We know it is. There are other lost tombs because we talked about other ones before we settled on this one. Like we talked about like the tomb of Alexander, like Genghis Khan, Attila the Hun. We have no idea where those tombs are. Absolutely no idea. But you have an actual lost tomb that you found in the 70s. Nobody knew where it was no. until the 70s. And it's like just, you know, 40 years ago. And we know exactly where it is. And we're we're going to still never know what's in there. It's you know maybe even in our lifetime we'll never know what's yeah, in there. Yeah, exactly. It's Crazy. it's fascinating to me that we're Sucks. still unlocking like human history oh. all the time. Some yeah, some people say like oh archaeology is kind of like a dying field. Like no, I think there's like we've only scratched the surface of what we could find. Yeah, there's still I think we're just we're just starting to get good at finding the shit. Yeah, and then the problem is is that like we're good at finding it, but then we. 
they're like the people that are like finding it and looking for it have no money to like look at it f- further. It's like there's we think there's something here and we need funds to go into an expedition into the jungle and dig it out with equipment. It's going to be very costly and people are like well eh. until there's like fuck that let's buy more bombs. Like exactly <laughs> until there's a need cuz we talked about a couple of years ago when they did that lidar study in uh, like Guatemala, Belize and right. like Southern yeah. Mexico. And they found like, yeah, there's probably a civilization of maybe up to like 10 million Mayans here. And we can see their structures and their roadways. And they're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Why should we dig it up? And then there was, that's just, it's just sitting there. It's been, it's been like, like LIDAR excavated, but they'll, they're not like digging, really digging anything up. Cause there's no funds. Like there's no like reason besides, I think besides like tourism, there's not a lot of reasons to dig up like, those old sites like financially yeah. and even if you yeah so and then it's another point it's like you can't you can't exactly send a bunch of tourists into a giant you know mercury filled pool yeah complex you <laughs> yeah. know so it's like See, even I, if you open it up like for tourists it's like well probably don't want to send them in there it's, i still go back to i i think the i like these civilizations i think either had contact with something or or got some sort of vision. I don't know from from what or how, but like just the advancements that we see from this time. Like even we, you know we kind of skimmed over the fact that you know, they were oxidizing weapons to stop from rust. Like they had technology and like know with all that we didn't wasn't find again again for, again for years. Like it was lost in time. This knowledge was lost in time. Yeah, we bananas. humans already had this shit. Like we've we've we talk about lost civilizations so many times, and this lost knowledge is like we're only scratching the surface of what we know about them. And especially if we can't, you know, go into these places or these places were disturbed hundreds of years ago uh, with the intent of stealing and theft rather than for like, you know, exploration and learning knowledge about ourselves. Who knows about all this knowledge and shit that we knew about that was lost in time. So much. that to me boggles, it, it boggles my mind that like right now to think that like in a hundred years, or in a thousand years, it could be a civilization like looking back at us being like, they had electricity? Like, that's crazy. Like, how did people have that back then? Like, who knows like what what's going to happen? Like, what happened to these civilizations where like, we just lose track of them? So easy. It, it, it seems to me like, why wouldn't you make historical documents and stuff like that? And I know there is, but they're limited but it just seems like our knowledge, there's huge gaps and it just is baffling to me. It almost seems like the more you look at these ancient civilizations, maybe there's this like the way we have discovered technology, like through electricity and like power generation and we're like, well, there's no other way to do that. But maybe like a lot of times when you look back, you're like, well, maybe there was other ways to mold granite and mold all this stuff that we just learned a different way. And then you, you're like, well, maybe, maybe that's all it is. And they're like, well, why can't we find the techno- technology? Because that's not how we do it. We can't find the technology. We don't know how they made like these crazy projects. And then it gets lost. And then as you said, like in a thousand years, maybe, maybe people lose like, well, how did, how did they, like, why do they have these giant, like ancient foundations across rivers in a thousand yeah. years? There, there are hydro dams, right? And we're like, what are these ancient foundations? What the, what, why did people even build these here? Because you'll never, you can't understand the technology. It almost seems like magic because you don't even know what it is. And I forgot where I was going with that. 
Yeah. You have to seriously wonder. <laughs> you have to seriously wonder what could actually be inside the, the the actual tomb of the of Qin Shu Huang, like the first emperor of the Qin, the first China, you know, Chinese emperor. Like he was planning, like they were building this this mausoleum, this complex intending him to take everything that he would possibly need for the afterlife that he would need in life, like actual life to afterlife. And so there could be anything inside that tomb. There could be more terracotta warriors. There could be, there could be different, like incredible works of art technology because they, they know they found, uh, like like birds made out of precious metals, uh, treasures, artifacts, all these ex- like exceedingly rare th- things that would have been exceedingly rare at the time in just the outside outlying complexes. But what would be actually inside the tomb itself could be anything. There could be sacred texts, uh, you know, medical things, like all this kind of knowledge that he probably could have taken with him because Chin Shu Wang was like a well-learned scholar himself like you know he wasn't just like your regular like tyrannical emperor let everybody run every shit like he was intelligent himself he was invested so he would have invested in knowledge like he would have taken these things with him like perhaps i need the knowledge of these certain things whether it's you know astrological signs uh astronomy chemistry alchemy whatever any of that stuff could actually be in there in that tomb buried with And preserved, preserved better than we have ever seen anything preserved before. That's true. So maybe that's where, like, if they had technology to do this stuff and say it was lost on the surface for whatever reason through wars or over time, it could, that stuff could be trapped hermetically sealed in an airtight chamber. Right. Or you could, you could even find examples of like rare technology that was in there at the time. Maybe it's not, you know, it's not going to be like a fucking ray gun or something, but it's going to be something that we never thought we never went that possibly able to build at that time. But just to show us that, no, they were capable of this. Like they were capable of making this because that's a lot of what the, you know, the discovery of the terracotta warriors and, and the chromium oxide of coating of weapons, treatment of weapons. Like we learned that they knew so much more than we actually thought they knew. Yeah. It's really cool. It's just, it's not like a topic we'd normally do, but we just, when we got into it, we're like, this is just really cool. Well, we, you know, we talk about ancient civilizations every now and then, and this is one of those weird ones where it's like, you don't hear anything about, like I had no fucking idea of the, like, technological advances i like before this i knew there was like pyramids and shot but like i didn't know they had pyramids that rival you know that are bigger and have bigger footprint than the great period of egypt i didn't know they had preserved bodies for how old's the lady of die the lady of die she was probably uh, buried about two is 200 bc as well i think like not not yeah. long like, after the uh, yeah well 2000 well, like, over 2000 years preserved ago perfectly like there's like the, she's mushy this, Blew my. She's mushy. She's mushy. Her you can organs are still intact. <laughs> like it's, it's, it blows me away at the level of technology that this civilization learned, and then the it's fact like that she's mushy means that there's some type of hydration still there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's there's fucking wild. There's like no like the moisture is preserved in the body for two thousand years. Yeah, it's, it's real creepy. Crazy. Like it's real creepy. That like they're poking at it. Mind. They're poking at it. The skin still has. Like listen, like. 
It's still bad. I go to bodies. I We get called for fucking obvious deaths to go pronounce death with dead bodies that have been sitting there for like maybe a week or whatever. And they don't have that. Yeah. They've decomposed way further. You yeah. know what I mean? That, and how old is that fucking lady have died? Like that's insane. 2,200 years old. She's still mushy. It, it's to me, I'm like, at, at what point I'm like, how did they know? Did like, here's the thing. How do you find out that that's the best way to preserve a body? How do you learn that information? It's true. Right? Think of, let's think about, let's go into that rabbit well, hole for a little bit. Well, maybe that's, if you get into the tomb, maybe they have that knowledge that's buried there that was lost on the surface. But yes, where did it come from though? Was it instilled How? or learned? Because like, yeah, that's the thing. I'm like, so like, say like the four of us, like Dan dies and we're like, I, damn it, this is a sad day for the podcast. Uh, we'll keep on keeping on though, but it's, <laughs> we want to preserve Dan for the next thousand years. Uh, wh- what do you think we should do? I put his head and in the jar, just like, number one. And we're just like, and we're just like, oh, uh, you know what? What if, um, what if it's there? We're like, oh, you know what? Like, f- let's try to bury him down deep and see what happens. You wouldn't know. But now I'm thinking, like, imagine this. Ima- this guy was so into immortality, and I'm going to make a little par- a strange parallel here. But, like, you know, another person that allegedly you could say is into that is Walt Disney, who had himself cryogenically frozen, and you know, because he, to be thought out, allegedly, who, you know, who knows. Sounds like but Disney. Real, do we know that Disney. he actually frees himself? Do we know that for a fact? Allegedly. Allegedly, but yeah. here's the thing: what if, what if these civilizations were like, what if this was built? What if this was, what if this capsule was built? Oh. Because this is how you preserve someone and be like, we can preserve you until the technology gets good enough again that we can bring you back. And maybe that's why they they're like, we can't open it because like maybe the Chinese government and stuff has texts where they're like, you know, they have historical documents where they're like. No, like this tomb, just like Walt Disney, it's like not to be opened until Allegedly. you can bring this person back. <laughs> right? Just Maybe. How else do you know that information? How do you know to build like something like this and do the techniques they're doing and it's going to preserve someone for that long? How do you know that unless you've seen it or been shown? Because if you're, tr- if you, any way you do it, if you, if we're like right now, we're going to be like, how long does a body last at six feet? And we bury it at six feet and then we dig it up. The second we dig it up, we fucked up that body. Like we fucked up the preservation process. I mean, maybe they just took a shot in the dark and got it right though. Come on. It's it's in the realm of possibility, but it seems like you would have to know a little more than just like a straight guess. But yeah. I'm also wondering if that like they have those rivers of mercury, like does mercury evaporate? I know it does. I think it does, but. Because it's a, it's a liquid, but it's also a solid. Does it evaporate? Right, but I'm saying like, does it evaporate? And then it, and then it, I don't know, know, like those rivers of mercury, will they still be there? Because I mean, yeah, it's highly toxic and it will kill you, but it would look really fucking cool. It would look (laughs) fucking cool though. That's what I mean. These giant streams of metal just like all going all over the place. Like, oh man, that'd be so cool. It can evaporate. Yes. At room temperature exposed, Mm -hmm. elemental mercury can evaporate to become an invisible odorless toxic vapor. If it's buried though. Yeah. If, if it's, it's preserved, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's, it's, right? Like the body. If it's like airtight, buried down there. Buried airtight. Air there's. Listen, can you imagine they have some sort of mechanism down there where the, if you send some sort of probe, just, just 
picture this for a second. Picturing. And they still have these Mercury rivers flowing mechanically that have been working for a thousand years. Oh. Thousands of years. Right? Like wild. Gotta take a peek. It'd be uh yeah, it would it would change the way entire way that we look at history if if that was the case. Like I'm sure like whatever mechanism they have is probably broken down by now, but ju- but just the fact that if they actually do have rivers Dan, of mercury if, down listen, there, it would Dan, be cool. I I will I'm gonna <laughs> counterpoint you here. If we didn't know about the lady D, the lady D, you'd be like, I'm sure if there's a body down there, it's probably decomposed. But no, I mean it's just airtight. If it, I mean there are methods of preservation, whether also intentional and unintentional, like you have the bog bodies, like you know bodies that have been preserved by natural means or desert mummies you have desert mummies as well which are extraordinarily well preserved like you have those kinds of things but if you if you have an airtight thing yeah then it definitely lessens the amount of deterioration and i don't know if they figured that out when they did But how do you know that how do they know when did they they figure it out how did they learn that I know that's what I'm saying. I don't know if they, you know, if there's some sort of like, that's what I'm saying. If they had some sort of like medical text that told them back then that was like, okay, or if you do this or aliens (laughs) or Huang Di, the yellow (laughs) emperor was an alien. He was. I mean, that, I mean, he he had a dragon that traveled through space. So, I mean, exactly. Yeah. Maybe through space. (laughs) Hey, there's what they said. It's just a really cool topic. I think uh, I think if we wanted to, it's one of those topics you could research for a month and you would still know, not even anything about it. Like you could go oh, real well, deep. Dude, not to mention you're going to get into all the side stories and all the drama. Yeah, yeah it gets you get it gets, sucked into that stuff really easy. Yeah, you could go through like ancient Chinese culture, like ancient history. That could be a whole podcast on its own. But should be. It yeah, it should be. It <laughs> must find awesome. It. If it's, find right, it. yeah, final we'll fi- so, final well. thoughts on the the tomb of the dragon king. What do you think? I just think it's a really cool story. I think it's very strange how they seem to have technology and like building methods that seem to replicate other points on earth that seem to be thousands. Well, they are thousands of kilometers away from different points in history. So I guess if you go that way, like the same way they build like their stepped like pyramids or mausoleums to like Mesoamerica or ancient Egypt. It just seems like maybe there was more it wasn't just so like separated over the time, over the years. Maybe we just, as we said, like through maybe bad archeological techniques or whatever it is, we just didn't quite get the full history and we're still like kind of reeling to figure it out. I personally think that they know exactly what's going on and they're not telling us for a reason. I think they have evidence of an advanced civilization. I don't think it has anything to do with aliens, but I definitely believe in advanced civilization that was wiped out that we have no, we lost the evidence. We lost the language. We lost all, you know, everything for it. And I think that they might have uncovered something and they don't want us to know for a reason. I have a hard time believing that they do not have the ability to get into this tomb without destroying it. So you're anything. saying that's why they're not letting us into the tomb because what's in there might 100%. be the truth that may uh, change the world? I think so. I like that. I like that a lot. Dan? Um, I could go with Andrew's point. There is probably, maybe they could have found something. The, the Chinese mythology does have like a great flood myth. Like they do have a, you know, similar to the Noah's flood and, and of the, you know, the Christian Bible. Yep. Uh, so you do have this, perhaps there's like an anti, anti-diluvian 
civilization or technology or something that they know about and they don't want to release that knowledge about it. But also I, I'm also kind of like, there's this weird thing across all cultures or most cultures, like this fascination with mercury. Like I, I never really get it. Like I never really understand it. Like, I mean, yeah, it looks cool, but you're like, why would you be like, I need this all the time? You know, I why do I need to it. take it? I think we need to try it. <laughs> Find out. Maybe it's the truth. Maybe they don't want us to know. <laughs> Listen, That's everyone listening. The truth. Go to your thermometer. Break it open. Crack that don't shit do open. Don't do that. And just <laughs> roll it. One hundred percent. Don't listen to Brady. <laughs> just snort it. Don't do I that either. I don't think they sell it anymore. We're but you have an old not one. Anybody. Spotify didn't know what they got themselves into. <laughs> don't consume mercury. Don't do it. Don't uh, do yeah, it. Don't do it. Just don't do it. it. We're kidding. It's yeah, all don't good. do that. But it is. It is. It's it is a youth. fascinating thing. Like why? Why the fascination with mercury? And I still my like my final thoughts on it. It still blows me away that for this process to know that like preserving bodies, the the best way to preserve a body is to put it somewhere and then not touch it. So how do they know that it's, these depths, these depths, these airtight seals, airtight. the oxidation, the rubbing the shit on the weapons, like they knew this, you know, we're not talking decades before we're talking a thousand years before the rest of the world. 2000 years. Right, it it, it just blows my mind that that kind of information was there. It's like, if that was there, what other information has just been lost in time that would just blow our minds? I, I it always leads me to believe that, you know, these cultures are getting this information from somewhere else. I just always lean to that. I'm like, where else are they getting it? Why are they all building these, you know, pyramid like the very similar pyramid like structures? Uh, the fascination with mercury, like doing very similar things. Well, it's to their it, credit, mercury is fucking cool. Yeah, but how do you? It is. Beautiful. How do you even find it? it? So cool. How do you even find? If a, you found that for the fir- if you're the first person to find that and be like, this is fuck. This is it. This is whatever this is. It's fucking cool, and it's gonna fix everything. Mm. I love it. It's cool. I'm gonna eat it's it. Yeah, I'm but how? In my mouth. Yeah. How fast? I'm gonna bath in it. I'm gonna rub it all over me. I'm gonna that, eat that's it. what I mean. It's how fast does mercury life. poison you? It's got. It's. It's gotta be quick if you're like if you're Dude, if it's exposed it, if sure. it's exposed at room temperature it evaporates into a toxic gas there you go yeah. but if and if i was some type of emperor and you brought me mercury i'd be like listen i'm gonna be scrooge mcduck and i'm gonna die <laughs> i that shit because it's cool dude this Bring that you have i want all of it mercury i want it all is you the may, fuel you may have misheard think you heard me correctly and saying that i want some of it no i mean i want all of it <laughs> All up in my body. I want it all. Dude, here it is. Mercury is the fuel of the extraterrestrials. That is their element 115 or something similar. Maybe it looks, maybe it's not mercury, but element 115 maybe looks like mercury. And that is the whole fascination because all this. I've heard that. I've aliens. heard that it's, you know, I've, perhaps mercury was the, the powering, the vril cla- the crafts and things like red yeah. mercury. Maybe it's some type of, uh, you know, it might- what's it called? It might not even be like we have like our mercury looks silver, but maybe it just the just the fluidity of like the mercury looked similar to something ETs brought down and humans yeah. mis, misre, misjudged so, yeah. or misrepresented. Corolla that. Because like people say like, oh, why is gold, right? And because because before like computer circuitry, gold was not really useful other than it was valuable because it was rare. 
And now it's it was like, soft and easily it was easily yeah it's like malleable. yeah you could like you mold it to statues and you could do a lot of stuff with it but it didn't really it's purdy it looked nice and right and it never it never rusts right you get gold is yeah. gold forever but then it's only in the modern times where gold's like a like our bet one of our best conductors and it's used in like pretty much all circuitry motherboards and cell phones and pretty much everything everything so, we use yeah everything we use all them fancy technologies. I don't know, but yeah, you can you can get into the the theories of why some metals are more valuable than others. But I think we got to start wrapping this baby up after an hour and a half. Yeah, so yeah, we've that's been good, good, uh, good ancient civilization talk. Let's get into some space news. Let's do it. I got not not a lot of space news today, but uh, breast breast him. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to say breathtaking images suggest there's fresh ice on one of Saturn's moons. Oh, shit. Uh, so not to be outdone by Venus uh, last week. Solidus uh, hangs on. One of Saturn's moons is like, listen, bitch, maybe I have life. You don't know. You don't know me. Uh, and it's got some, looks like it has, uh, what is it? Caladius? Encedalus. Encedalus? Yeah. Enceladus. Yeah. I've always called it Enceladus. Maybe I'm wrong, but Enceladus. It seems one of Saturn's moons. Yeah. So they're thinking that, um, um, you know, there there might be fumes of salty water and and fresh ice. So yeah, back in like 2005, the Cassini space probe flew by Saturn like what was like 23 times or something. And through all the information, they're saying that because of tidal forces on the moon uh, generating a little bit of heat, it is releasing plumes of water on Enceladus. So water, as we know on Earth, is uh, number one for life. So that is why Enceladus has always been pretty much, it's been like, what? Like, has it been Mars Enceladus or Enceladus Mars for life? Or I think Mars then, uh, yeah, once you, like Mars, because it's the closest, I think its proximity has always given it priority. Over finding, well, not maybe not life, living life, but maybe like microbial extinct life or something, something, yeah, yeah, evidence of life. But then for actual living things, like I think Enceladus, maybe Titan, it's like, yeah, Mars, Enceladus, Titan, and now with that new space, Io, now Venus is now Venus is maybe (laughs) might be the well, it's the it seems to be the lead at the moment, yeah, yeah. As far as measurable signs of life, but that's cool. So I mean, we'll we'll keep uh, really cool. we'll keep tabs on that. In Aurora news, a strange glowing ultraviolet aurora has just been detected around a comet. For the um, first so time, so we've known about the phenomenon of auroras basically on every planet in the solar system, uh, outside of Mercury. Mercury. Yep, uh, and even even uh, some of Jupiter's moons. But we've never seen it on anything else until now. And it's been detected on a comet thanks to the Rosetta spacecraft. And they saw it on comet 67P Churyumov Gerasimenko <laughs> or 67P slash CG. Churyumov Gerasimenko observed a glowing with far ultraviolet auroral radiation. Oh, this was a unique find. It's never been seen before. So auroras are no longer uh, exclusive to planets. They can also have 
comets can now have them. Well, they always thought that auroras were exclusive to planets with like a magnetosphere or like a like a magnetic body of uh, in space, but most asteroids are not. So this is the first time they found one that exhibits auroras that are not due to like a magnetic sphere. So hmm. it's pretty sweet. Pretty fascinating. I can't wait to, I hope uh, once we get uh, all these new telescopes uh, going, maybe we'll uh, get a glimpse. It's only going to get better from here. Yeah. Uh, that's all I had for space news. Pretty short, pretty slow week for space news. Yeah. Short Big space news last week. You can't get a, yeah. you yeah. can't get a news like, uh, we found alien life on Venus every week, so yeah, that's the way she goes. Well, and we discovered Mice Tyson. That's, yeah, it was big. Yeah. It was like forty-five minutes of space news. It was awesome. That's pretty huge. Why don't we fire up the randomatron? Do it. Three and see what we get here. Two, one. Check your texts, your emails, your printer, your fax. You got it. Whoa! We need to Whoa. go paperless. Oh shit. Long goose file, baby. You say will you Ooh. shit on my face? I might That's what I think shit it says on your sleeve. Oh, yeah. okay. oh. I hear, always Steve. hear, I'm going to shit on your face. Yeah, Better than face. Better than face, but no. <laughs> that's what it was. I haven't got shit on my face yet. Definitely yet. on the sleeves, boots, emphasis hands, on feet, yet. everything. <laughs> Poop everywhere, not my face, not I mean, wood. not your face, yeah. your friend of a friend's face. Yeah. Friend of a friend's face. Because like, as we all know, when we get into these things, obviously it didn't happen to me. It happened to a friend of a friend of a friend of mine. Obviously. But in order to tell these stories... You know, it's just easier to say it in the first of person. Of course. Right? Yep. So this particular mongoose file takes place, I don't know, what's a good way to describe it? You know, like probably a coastal city. You know, let's let's put it in British Columbia because that's what we West know. Coast Canada. Yeah. You know, that's easier for us. West Coast Canada. Beautiful spot. Sitting in the ambulance, enjoying a morning coffee, you know, slower morning than normal, which is pretty unprecedented for... Uh, right now because we're getting absolutely destroyed by the overdoses and COVID related situations so mm-hmm. a little bit downtime is much appreciated call comes in imminent birth right away kind of fucking warning signs go off because we don't get an address well we do get an address but it's a behind the address so you're like oh fuck it's either going to be in a car or it's going to be in the street and unfortunately when you work in a certain area like a friend of a friend of ours ours does um, when we do get these imminent birth calls sometimes they are in the street where certain demographics live giving birth in gotcha. the streets in the streets dun, dun, dun. it's not great it's not fantastic not ideal so rush to this area you know imminent birth whereas like our, our dispatchers go through a lengthy you know, questionnaire where we, you know, when we get the call for an imminent birth, we know water's broken. There's potentially crowning. Baby's we're coming. A fucking baby. Yep. Babies. We're having a baby. We're making a baby. It's coming out. So right away, you know what I mean? You start getting a little fucking flutter in the chest because they're not fun calls. Our friend of a friend of mine has been doing this job for about eight years now and has already delivered four kids, three of them viable, which is already like a staggering amount for only being into the business for eight years. Right. So 
come fly into this call, show up. You know, it's already kind of hard because it's like the fucking, you know, it's the parking lot of a Kmart or something ridiculous. So find the area. As soon as we pull up, you see the big red fire truck there. And as we start pulling up, you can see the fire department walking towards us. And you're like, oh, fuck, perfect. You know, the fire department's already cleared. So it's obviously not what we thought it was, which happens quite often. But babies on fire? Closer, like, <laughs> well, the fire department come to every call. And, fire you know, babies? I'm not sure why. Yeah, they come, they, they fire, and you're like, no, I need a medic. And they're like, okay, fire, oxygen, and a blanket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so the fire department's already leaving. They've already cleared themselves. So you're like, okay, good. We don't really have much of a situation here. But as we get closer, we notice that maybe they're not walking, and it's more of a slow jog slash run. So as they kind of just blow by, so they're like, ah, we're calling the cops. Like, don't go in there. And you're like, whoa, 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 what's going on? And out comes the captain kind of rubbing his face. And you can see he's got a fucking hematoma underneath his eye. And we're like, whoa, Cap, what's going on, man? He's like, listen, we're calling the cops. Patient's extremely aggravated. Oh, shit. It's not safe. You guys don't want to go in there. And I'm like, are we having a baby? What's the deal? And he's like, I think we're having a baby. So I was like, I got to go in, man. Like, we can't, you know what I mean? Like, I can't just hang out here. So he's like, well, fuck, good luck. So we keep going. And lo and behold, there's a little tent set out behind this convenience store in the back. And, you know, it's all zipped Ugh. up and everything. And I walk up and I'm kind of like, you know, there's no way to knock on a fucking tent. So you're like, hello, <laughs> you know, hey, it's uh, a friend of a friend of mine from, uh, you know, so-and-so <laughs> ambulance service. Uh, you know, can we can we help you today? You know, and, you know, zip, fuck off. Unzip. Oh. I'm like, okay, listen, you know, ma'am, like, just check it in. Like, want to know if you're having a baby because that's what the call came in. Like, we're just here to help. And she's, you know, zips back up and then zips it back down. And I'm like, yes, I'm having a baby. My water broke. I'm like, okay, ma'am. Like, if your water's already broken, like, we're, you know, we're we're working on borrowed time here. We got to get to the hospital. She's like, well, I'm not fucking going anywhere. I'm like, okay, ma'am. Like, you know, like, what can I do to help you? Like, we need to make sure that this is a safe environment. You know, delivering your child in the back of this fucking tent is probably not an optimal situation. So can we at least get you the back of the ambulance? She's like, not a fucking chance, but I'll come out of the tent. So I'm like, okay, wonderful. And, you know, right off the way, you get a, you get a few like warning this. signs because you're like, okay, listen, like, you know what I mean? Sometimes these situations, like, it's a pretty common thing for people having history or having a mental health emergency. Pregnancy is a big thing. You know what I mean? And sometimes it's not necessarily what's happening at the situation. So you're like, okay, we got to get to the bottom of this. I need this lady out. So I need to get an assessment. So she comes out and right off the bat, you're kind of like shit because it's hard to pass an eyeball test because this lady's already quite large, <laughs> right? So you can't really tell. She's a big yep. lady, very disheveled. As she comes out, we have bottles of urine and other weird things spilling out of her fucking tent. And you're like, okay, so there's two things here. You know, could she really, is she really pregnant? I don't know. Is she crazy? Possibly. Start to question her. And okay, ma'am, like, have you been keeping up with your doctor? Is this a normal pregnancy? Is there anything going on? Like, is everything normal? And she's like, listen, I'm carrying Justin Trudeau's baby. <laughs> oh, fuck. This baby's, I'm crowning. This is real. This is happening. You need to be ready. And I'm like, okay, ma'am, like, that's fine. And like, while I'm talking to her, you can tell right away, like her water's broken. She's wet all around her crotch area, dripping down her legs. And you're like, 
You know what I mean? I'm like, I can't okay. tell you. I don't know if this is JT's baby, but this is you have you know, someone's like, baby. So right away we're like, okay, I'm ruling out mental health. Well, I'm not ruling out mental health because there's obviously probably a mental health component, but she is like her water's broken. It's evident. So I'm like, ma'am, I need to like, can you lay down? Like, can we get you on her bed? I need to, you know what I mean? I need to have a look. I need to see what we're dealing with here. I need to, you know, like how dilated you are, what's happening. And I like try to approach her to, you know, do a set of vitals, whatever. And she starts swinging. So we back up. We're like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, sorry. Like, it's okay. Like you're safe. It's okay. You know? And then my partner's like, she's not fucking pregnant. Like, let's get the fuck out of here. Call the cops. This is ridiculous. And he hears her. He hears my partner as she's whispering in my ear and loses her fucking mind. Starts screaming, pulls up her fucking dress that she's wearing. No. And gives us a show. And she's definitely no. crowning. She's definitely at least eight centimeters dilated. And uh, we're having a fucking baby in this tent in a park in the downtown east side of a, some, a some coastal sort of coastal city. city. Coastal city. In, in, and I'm like, God damn it. So I convince her to sit in our bed, get her in the back of the ambulance. And, you know, the, she's like, it's coming, it's happening, it's happening. I'm like, okay, great. So I get down and I'm like, we get out our, 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 our fucking OBS kit. We get everything ready, sterile environment. We're ready to have this baby. And I'm like, we can't, like, my partner's like, do we have time to make it to fucking St. Paul's or whatever ha- hospital would be in this area? Yep. I'm like, no, we're delivering this baby. Call the fire department back. Call an ALS car. We're delivering this baby. And, you know, I go down to catch this child. And as I go down to catch this child, you know, and you'd be surprised once, like, once the baby's crowning, it's pretty fast for the most part. Depends if they've had children in the past or not. If it's the first kid, they could be pushing for a while. You know, so I asked her, I'm like, have you had kids before? And she's like, yeah, if I had three kids. So I'm like, okay, you know what? This thing's going to fucking walk out. Be ready. And I was right. The baby shot out like a fucking cannon. Oh. But unfortunately, when the baby came out, it was only a head. What? And huh? you're like, right away, you shit your pants because you're like, oh, my God. Like, how did this this baby's decapitated? And you get a closer look and it's probably a Cabbage Batch kid or some other type of doll's head that she shoved up upper. Of course area. it is. Of course it is. And yeah. So yeah. that's how a friend of a friend of ours delivered the head of a Cabbage of Patch a doll. kid that was so Justin Trudeau's baby. now you'd say you delivered like four and like a quarter? Like, I guess. Like, but you I add that know. on there? Do you I add that onto the score? Four and like, a cabbage. Does, that, does that work that way? 4.25? Uh, sure. They do. Like they, they give out stork pins. <laughs> like they're like, it's like you're, you know, like you delivered a baby. Congratulations. They give you like a, a certificate and like a little pin. And I got one for this. And I'm like, I was ready to like email HR to being like, mm, not quite. Like this one, I'm not sure really. <laughs> I fucking don't counts, think this counts. Yeah, half credit. Yeah. But yeah, anyways, so that was, I think that was Terrifying. my fifth baby. But yeah, anyways. All right, or, cool. Fun. Let's get into theory of the week. <laughs> <laughs> let's get rid of uh, that. Let's get rid of that <laughs> mongoose file. That's pretty gross. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> have fun uh, ba- tell your tell your friend of a friend to enjoy going back to work that's yeah. great it's good to be um back. let's get a theorite of the week did we have a theorite of the week 
Yeah, this week we're giving it to Brian Stoker. Yeah, Brian Stoker. I know he's always a staple of the live stream. He's always watching. I think he's watching tonight. Theater uh, of the week. Given a, just, uh, he f- but his meme game meme is out of control. He's on point. He got it for two reasons because he's he's always posting funny stuff, um, and then he also found the uh, the meme I was talking about about the silica gel, and he edited my face onto it. Give us all a good laugh. Yeah, it was, it was so great. Brian Stoker, congratulations on Theorette of the Week. If you want to be Theorette of the Week. He deserves realist. He realistically deserves this because he stared at your face long enough to be able to cut it out and paste it on another fucking meme. And yeah, that's worth it. That's yeah. worth it in itself. He gave the he gave the mean of. We do not support the idea, but uh, we talked about one time uh, if you ate it when those silica gels where it says "do not eat," and yeah. then when you eat the silica you gel in the meme, you uh, ladies and gentlemen, att one hundred percent. Telling you right now, do not eat silica gel packets. Do not. Do not consume mercury. <laughs> Unless you're woke. Unless don't you're put <laughs> mercury in any of your holes. Don't, don't do, yeah, do, don't do any it, of that Keep stuff. it out. In beef jerky. They put it in like the tastiest fucking treat ever. That's true. It's just, uh, it's confusing. Dude, I've, I've popped one in my mouth by accident before with a piece of beef jerky, just grabbing it from the pack. Gave it a chew and was like, Ugh! Like what? Had Buddy, the pack in you my must mouth. have been in a fucking ravenous state to yeah. fucking toss one of those in your mouth. I was. Know. was. You know how ravenous I have to be to grab one of those fucking shitty gas station <laughs> beef jerky like jerky bites. Sp- you gotta be yeah. Spell pay like forty five dollars on a fucking pack of beef jerky <laughs> over six pieces of beef jerky. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude, I was desperate. It was desperate yeah. times. It uh, That's fair. Times happen. I've been there. Anyways, the meme is if you eat the silica gel, uh, you wake up from reality. That is not true in any regard, so do not do that. Do we know that? Did you try it? You don't know. Yeah, but I'm not going to say it's true. Well, you are undead, so you could get away with it. If you want to look at the meme, please go to our (laughs) Facebook, join the Theorite group. That's where uh, all the great memes are posted because Facebook public page, just Facebook in general, is uh, tough to... uh, venture at the moment so go to, go to yeah. the private group find find all the good shit at a private theorite feed all right sell new patreons new patreons this month i'm working on a brand new patreon theme it's coming for next week i guarantee don't you worry anyways this week's patreon new members are joseph matta james smith frog hugger Remen, or maybe Remen. Tough to tell. Emily Bassett. Sean. Oh, dude. Brian Stoker, Theory of the Week, and also new second tier patron supporter. Attaboy. Nice. Good work. The blood. Bram Stoker. Jo- yeah. Yeah, buddy. Jonathan Burris. Travis St. Pierre. Snake Rumblins. David <laughs> Kelly. Richard Montana went up to the Mitra, $10 a month. Right on. Grant Hodge, or sorry, Grant Hodgkins, Hodgins, Grant Hodgins, and Brooke Campbell are the newest Patreon supporters of the week. If you want to keep your normal Patreon or normal podcast app, chances are if you sign up to Patreon, you can continue to listen to the live show and all the bonus stuff on your normal app. If not, don't forget Spotify, October 16th. Yep. Exclusive. 
Booyah. Uh, anything else before we wrap this up? I think that's it for tonight. That was fun. Fun case file. As we always say at the end of these things, thank you very much. We love you guys and keep those eyes on the skies. Peace, everybody. Peace. We'll see you on After Hours. <laughs> <laughs>